Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Beautiful, sunny day today in Seattle. What a fine day to take your dog for a walk. That's a great point, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It really is. It just occurred to me. Yeah, I don't know where I get these. Um... Is it breezy out there, though? <laughs> Um, You're looking a little windswept, oh, is, which is why I asked. It's the hair. Ah. Well, I did just come back from Florida. And how was it? It was good. It was short. It was a, a short trip. But you got to see your grandmother, so that's got to be nice. She's right? 99. and Still going strong. Oh, my gosh. As strong as ever. It's amazing. She still pretty much lives independently. She takes day trips out to go play various games. She cleans her plate i mean appetite <laughs> i mean it's just amazing it's like she could be part of the clean plate club it is amazing yeah patches used to say. i'm um grateful for her genes <laughs> so um yes so today we're talking in a little bit after the first segment we'll be talking with mia schwartz who's the founder of georgia peaches puppy rescue and then um after my interview with mia I'll be talking a little bit at the end of the show for the last segment about praising your dog and sort of the the overuse of treats. And I think it's this conversation I've been having with my clients a lot lately um, is really about praising with, you know, your relationship, like actually Mm -hmm. just praising and that people really undervalue the value that their praise has to their dog. And I think people tend to, when we're using treats and training, and there's nothing wrong with using treats and training, but um, sort of focus on the treat as as what has all of the power for that communication of good job or you made the right choice or I Mm -hmm. like that or whatever. Um, So I'm going to get into get into that a little bit after I talk with Mia. A few announcements, and also wanted to, um, of course. First things first is to identify our partners, um, our very, very wonderful partners, all wonderful businesses um, in the area here in western Washington. Uh, we have Jet City Animal Clinic. JetCityAnimalClinic.com is their website, and um, they're going to be one of our announcements also, so I'll get back to them. Um, Dr. Erica Anderson and her staff are doing a wonderful job in Capitol Hill, Seattle, on 12th Avenue, right uh, right near Seattle University. Great animal clinic for cats, dogs, and chickens. Uh, if you live in the Seattle area and you're looking for a vet, uh, they are wonderful. Oh, I'm going to have Dr. Anderson on the show, um, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, too, so we can look forward to um, having her on the show for an interview so you can get to know her a little bit, too. Speaking of pet care, all the best pet care, all the best food, treats, and toys for your dog and cat. AllTheBestPetCare.com is their website, and you can see where all of their 10 locations are around Western Washington, uh, the highest quality pet supplies for your dog and cat. They're a wonderful store. And last but certainly not least, my favorite pet food company, the Natural Pet Pantry. They are locally locally made here in Seattle, or South Seattle, and uh, servicing Western Washington. Um, raw and cooked food diets for dogs and cats. Great food. I've just seen miraculous results with this food. Switching pets off of processed food 
onto raw food diets, it's amazing the difference that it makes in pets. It, I've seen it breathe life back into dogs, older dogs who are aging, and I've seen it clear up chronic medical conditions over and over and over again over the years. They're wonderful. And you can uh, find them online at naturalpetpantry.com. So back to Jet City Animal Clinic, one of our partners, they are having a community open house that's going to be a great event Saturday, April 27th, and it's from 10 to 4 p.m., and their location is 822 12th Avenue um, in Seattle. And again, it's Saturday, April 27th from 10 to 4 at Jet City Animal Clinic. You can find them on Facebook if you just go to Jet City Animal Clinic. And you can also find them online, jetcityanimalclinic.com. There's going to be a lot of great stuff going on in this open house in addition to getting to meet the staff, meet Dr. Anderson, and take a tour of the facility. It's a really beautiful clinic. Uh, They're doing a whole bunch of uh, raffles. They have over $2,000 in free raffle items. Um, So you'll be able to enter into the raffle. Um, They've got some demonstrations going on, adoptions. Um, Lola Ball, who is the author of When Your Dog Has Cancer, uh, interviewed her recently on the show. She's going to be doing some book signings there. And I'm also going to be doing... From 2 to 4 p.m., I'm going to be doing some uh, free training and behavior advice also um, during this event. So it's going to be a great, great event. Again, that is April 27th, uh, Saturday from 10 to 4 at Jet City Animal Clinic. You can find them on Facebook and also online, jetcityanimalclinic.com. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Mia Schwartz, who's the founder of Georgia Peaches Puppy Rescue, a local rescue here in Seattle. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. JetCityAnimalClinic.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Jones and Company Pets in Marysville, we cover the world of animals. This week, April 21st, it's the third Sunday of the month, and that means it's a Kevin and Kim Sunday. 
Always entertaining, Kevin McDonald and Kim Miller Medium and Animal Intuitive will host the show for me. First up, they'll be talking with mobile veterinarian Dr. Penny Lloyd from Connection the Best Medicine. Then Kim will help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Who is Jopra? What is Jopra? When is Jopra? Joe Janot is the host of a brand new show called Jopra. Joe has been nicknamed Jopra by his friends and colleagues who find his advice and insight to be enlightening, just like a certain other talk show host of World Renowned. Born and raised in Seattle, independent minded Joe Janot is bringing issues to the airwaves that make you ponder, laugh, and deliberate. The Jopra Show is about the ins and outs of food and drink, relationships, entertainment, and so much more. Get to know Jopra every Thursday at 2, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. There's nothing else like it on the dial. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. We first met, I was glad to be a pet. Like a lot, I once had that we called lazy. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And we are back with Mia Schwartz, who's the founder of Georgia Peaches Puppy Rescue. Mia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you do, you are Seattle-based puppy rescue that brings puppies, specifically puppies, from Georgia to the Seattle area and adopts them out. That is correct. And I will add that although we started rescuing from Georgia, we've really moved up the southeast and, in fact, recently rescued some South Carolina puppies, and we're expecting four North Carolina puppies today. Okay, so spreading around in that area. Correct. So what is it about um, the area that has, you know, why would you do puppy rescue and in Seattle focus on Georgia? So tell us about, tell us some information about that. Absolutely. So, um you know, obviously, um, in Seattle, we're, we love our dogs, and um, I think we're a fairly, um, you know, I think we're fairly aware of um, social issues around animal welfare in this area and, in general, um, adhere to spay and neuter practices. And what that means is that um, that's great for us, but what happens is, is that we really don't have as many rescue puppy options in our shelters compared to what you might see in other areas of the country. Um, In the southeast, um, there's a huge pet overpopulation problem, and in particular during this season, it's referred to as puppy season, Um, there's an overflow of puppies in the shelters, and in fact, um, many of them either die from parvo or are euthanized. And so here we have a situation where there are people here looking for a rescue puppy having trouble finding one, and then in another area of the country, they're bursting at the seams. Mm-hmm. So one of our, part of our mission is to bring rescue puppies, you know, of that 
again, of the younger demographic, if, if that's what people want, um, to the area. So it gives people locally a rescue option versus, say, purchasing a puppy or going to a breeder. Mm-hmm. So what happens um, if, because some people might say, well, if there aren't um, puppies available, then then would those people who might, who were maybe looking to adopt a puppy then adopt an older dog, or do they do they go another route to get a puppy? Well, I can tell you that um, a common complaint from our adopters um, is that they they quote looked everywhere and could not find a younger puppy, and they were set on that and. Again, I can only share with you the anecdotes that we've experienced, Mm -hmm. but um, adopters will commonly tell me something like, um, well, the shelter told me, um, you know, why don't I get a cat instead? Or Mm. um, I've heard stories like, you know, all of the dogs were just older and we just don't want an older dog. We just don't want one. Um, And so we almost went to a breeder and as a last-ditch effort, we found you because we Googled Mm. you or what have you. So this is what this is the kind of feedback that I'm getting from people. So I think where people are set on a puppy, um, that's the route they're going to go for the most part. Um, you know, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to adopting younger versus older dogs. Um, but our goal is to just provide that younger dog or that puppy for a person who's really set on it. Right. Yeah. Someone's, someone wants a puppy, they're getting a puppy. They're getting a puppy, right. You can get one free from Craigslist. You can buy one from a breeder. Um, or hopefully we can come in and provide a rescue option. Mm-hmm. So, and you've been um, doing this with, you know, independently as Georgia Peaches for about a year. That's correct. And how have, um, I mean, it's probably, I would imagine as with anything, you know, a process where you're sort of refining your your, your process. And by the way, I'm working with, I had two people recommend Georgia Peaches. It was the first time I had heard of you guys. <laughs> Heather here at Click 98.9. We were in passing. I see her all the time in this, at the station. She told me. And then I had a client, like right after that, um, little Albie, who's like a boxer. He acts really labby. I wonder if he's a boxer <laughs> lab mix. He's adorable. Um, and they mentioned that they, they got him through you guys, too. And so it was like, oh, it's like interesting how it's like all Who of a sudden. Who are these people? I know. <laughs> um but that they said that you guys were wonderful to work with and just always very, like, right on top of all the communications and and you're all volunteer run. That's correct. I mean, we try the best that we can to be on top of things. We have a team of five on our, our board of directors and a, a growing um, core of volunteers and fosters, um, as well as just community support um, from our adopters and just you know, people in the community who follow us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're 100% volunteer run. Many of us are professionals, um, parents. Um, we're, we're very busy, but we do our best to make sure that we provide good customer service. I can't say that we don't sometimes, um, you know, fall short a bit as we're growing, but our goal is really to be like a five-star rescue and um, take puppies from these bad situations and just really polish them up and provide support for people who are, you know, looking to get a puppy. In other words, we're not just giving them the puppy and letting them, you know, just sort of like flounder on their own. We're trying to provide them with resources and support um, so that they're more successful. Mm -hmm. And have you had, um, you know, in, in the year that you've been doing this, um, 
have you ever had a puppy come to you that wasn't fit to be placed or have you run into anything like that? Oh, yes. Um, We have run into that. Um, We have had, there's two cases that stand out to me um, where we did have um, some severe problems um, that we were ultimately able to navigate. Um, But, um, you know, some think that working with puppies is easy and that, you know, it's just gravy, but that's not true. There are some tough cases that we've had to deal with. And, um, and um, and we've also at times been told, oh, a puppy is four months old, and we actually have found out, no, they're a year and a half when they get here, or two years. <laughs> and that's okay. We place them just like we would sure. any dog. But again, they can come with a whole different set of challenges. Yeah. Puppies are a lot of work. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> People think that fostering puppies, you know, it'll be all fun, and uh, it really is. But um, I think yeah. the thing that we've all realized when we foster puppies is our um, night of sleep can be a little bit less, um, you yeah. know, like having a human baby. It can be a little bit um, more punctuated, shall we say. Right. <laughs> more dictated. <laughs> exactly. Well, and there are a lot of work, I mean, for, you know, house training and, you know, just them learning about certain ways to interact with people versus with other dogs and there's a lot to it. I mean you're raising a a young social animal and and it takes a lot of energy and yes and that's a huge argument for why some are proponents of adopting dogs that are a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um and in fact you know, we've run into cases here where there's apartment restrictions where um, landlords will only allow a dog over six months of age. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that, but I've had a couple of people like that. And um, and so it is really interesting. Um, but the flip side and why people tend to want puppies and why we've really chosen this younger demographic is when you get puppies, you know, before their socialization window closes at 16 weeks and before their puppy teeth fall out, which is that period where they learn bite inhibition, we're really able to shape these puppies into well-socialized dogs um, that hopefully can live that sort of Seattle dog lifestyle that we all want, going to the coffee mm-hmm. shop, yeah. you know, going to the dog park, um, you know, hiking and, and all of the activities that we want in our dogs here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's kind of the flip side of that. And that's what we really try to cater to with all of our puppies. Are you noticing any similarities in this demographic of puppies from the southeast of this country um, where they where they seem to all have certain, I mean, it's it's coming from a certain, you know, pool. I don't know if it's small enough to know, but... Um, where they just you're, you're noticing sort of some similarities or some commonalities that you see in them s- specific to this group? Yes. I mean, so what we tend to see is larger breed dogs, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, we I think our puppies tend to be medium to larger size or they grow into medium to large dogs. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of small breeds, although we recently had a group of four half Yorkie puppies that were tiny, but that's not, that's definitely the exception rather than rule, the rule. So I would say the demographic is a, a slightly larger, more athletic dog. Yeah. And why the, um, now you talked earlier about one of the things that people may not, people who live in the Seattle area or a city similar to this air to Seattle, um, that you know we're very we're very dog dog crazy and in a good way, <laughs> and um, 
and very conscious. I mean, environmentally conscious, socially conscious. And so we tend to to take great care of our dogs. I mean, this is where the whole, you know, raw food movement basically started in the country. And we have all the best pet care to thank greatly for that. Um, but it's not the case in other parts of the country. Like dogs aren't. Not at all. Yeah. And... And I, I'm reminded of this in many other ways as well. When I, Whenever I travel, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I am definitely out of Seattle right now. It's um, shocking, really. Yeah. I mean, some interesting anecdotes um, around that issue would be that initially we were rescuing some puppies that were in the six to eight-month eight range. And so what we found was those dogs really had never been socialized to the kind of lifestyle that we in Seattle um, typically want to offer a dog. And so just the mere sight of a jogger or a stroller or a bike, it was like, you know, I remember standing by um, the I-90 trail with some of our foster puppies, you know, treating them as, you know, um, you know, skaters and bikers and things like that would go by um, because they just had never been in that situation before. They were strays. They've been in somebody's backyard. Um and so that's something that that was interesting to see. Um, the other kind of difference is just the shelter itself. I mean, I'm really proud to say that we live in a city where our municipal shelter is considered no kill. Um, that's, that doesn't mean zero kill, but it means that the numbers are 10% or less. And, and so contrast that with some of the shelters that um, are in the southeast where 95% of the animals entering the shelters are euthanized. And I think... Sometimes, as Seattleites, we're very, you know, we have great intentions. We are very socially conscious and all those things, but we only know our own environment unless we're involved in the animal welfare movement and things of that nature. So it is shocking for people to hear what's happening in mm-hmm. other other areas. And, you know, part of why our Seattle animal shelter is so successful is that we buy into, um, you know, animal welfare just sort of as a culture locally, yeah. you know? yeah. I mean, 200 foster homes our shelter has. I mean, Clayton County Animal Control, one of the main shelters we pull from, I mean, they just, they can't believe that. They can't believe that number. Yeah. What do you attribute the um, the, the the overpopulation problem in this area? I mean, it's in the country in general. Mm-hmm. We have it here as well. Of course. It's just not as bad. Correct. So what do you what do you think from your perspective sort of being in this work is the reason for that? You know, um I think it probably has to do a lot with socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if people are less well taken care of then that's going to trickle down to their animals and the animals in those communities. Um So could, meaning that they're not spayed and neutered? Correct. Okay. Correct. Um and that there isn't a value assigned to that. Um, So, for instance, um, Clayton County Animal Control, use that as an example because that was kind of our index shelter. Um, It's a poor um, sort of um, airport community, just sort of a suburb of Atlanta, and and there isn't a lot of money there. Um, And just in general, the animals, there just isn't a lot of care of the animals. You know, many of our adopters will ask us, where did the dog come from? And, And oftentimes, I don't have a story to go with them. And that really, really baffles people here. I mean, like, yeah. well, there's no story. And it's like, no, they really didn't care. They really didn't want to spare, neuter, or get vaccines. And um, I don't think it's in a mean way by any uh, any stretch. I just think it's a, 
a, a cultural difference, yeah, you know, and it probably do. is like a so- related in part to the socioeconomic status. Yeah. Um, so, well, it's all very, I mean, it's interesting and it is, it's a, such a sad state of, mm-hmm. you know, being in the, in, being in the dog industry professionally and aware of a lot of the issues, the big issues, overpopulation really being one of the big ones, you know, one of the top probably two mm-hmm. or three. Um, it's just maddening that there's still puppy mills. Oh, um. I mean, I, I just, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah sorry, just a response there. I mean, I know. it's just, you know, there are, it's hard to believe for some people, but there are puppies, well, and adult dogs, but I'm going to speak to puppies because that's our specialty. I mean, there are puppies being euthanized in America and dying due to diseases in the shelter every day. So it is really hard for me to personally stomach the idea of a puppy mill. Um, Mouse producing. Yes. I mean, it's, and and these are companion animals. These are animals that give us so much love and, um, you know, really are priceless as members of the family. And it's hard to think of the plight that they're in. And, you know, um, I sometimes feel like what we do is a drop in the bucket, but if we can raise awareness Mm -hmm. and, and, continue to do this kind of work, my hope is that the rest of the country is going to slowly fall into stride because I find that most people really don't know what's happening. They yeah. don't want to know. They don't want to look. It's too awful to see. And so that contributes to the problem. And then some people just genuinely aren't exposed to it. They just don't know. And I think if more people knew, yeah. there would be more change. Well, it would be cool for, you know, an organization or group like in Seattle, for example, with this information you know, you guys are doing great work trying to keep up with these puppies. But if there was an organization that created some sort of structure in those areas, in like the southeast, for example, mm-hmm. that provided free spaying and neutering. I mean, even that. Right. Well, you, funny you should mention that. Um, some of, I I have some lofty future goals for Georgia Peaches. And one of the things we would like to do when we start gaining some traction with fundraising more than we have already is that for every puppy rescue, we w- we want to offer a spay neuter stipend for a local dog. So we're not just picking puppies, you know, right, right. Out, you know, you know what I'm saying? I yep. mean, helping with the ground level problem versus just siphoning off puppies because that's, that's really not where change is going to happen. Right. Um, I can tell you that spaying and neutering is still pretty low cost there, but again, you know, socioeconomics come into play. Yeah. Um, cultural values. Um, and there are some free resources, but oftentimes there is more of a, in general, there's a little bit less caring, I think, about seeking those out, but making it a little bit more available or at least helping the shelters or local rescues to get dogs spayed, neutered, and out to a rescue, right. I think would be very helpful. So that's a, that's a big goal that we have. Yeah, it's a great one. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Mia Schwartz, who's the founder of Georgia Peaches Puppy Rescue. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. is our most powerful medicine, and on Passionate Nutrition Radio, I'll answer your burning nutrition questions and offer real solutions for your family. On Passionate Nutrition Radio, you'll learn how to transform how you look and feel with the foods that you eat. My name is Jennifer Adler, and I'm a nutritionist, chef, and founder of Passionate Nutrition, a nutrition practice with six locations throughout the greater Puget Sound area. Join me on Passionate Nutrition Radio for a weekly serving of nutrition wisdom. Learn more at PassionateNutrition.com. That's Passionate Nutrition every Friday at noon. 
This is Julie Forbes, dog training behavior and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. Camly Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area. Licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. Don't forget, this is Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Sweet song. Keeps Georgia on my mind. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and we're back talking with Mia Schwartz, who's the founder of Georgia Peaches Puppy Rescue. Welcome back, Mia. Thank you. So let's talk. We were talking in the first segment, and if you've missed any part of this interview, you can, oh, well, it'll be rebroadcast on Sunday at 1. So, Mia, if anyone in your community wasn't able to listen on KKNW now, it'll be, this will be played again on Sunday at 1. And then also archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, and, of course, available as a free podcast on iTunes. Great. And your guys' website is peachpuppies.org, and I will post a link to your website, and you also have a really active Facebook page as well. Correct. And I'll post links to those on our website and on our Facebook page. And I did post, uh, I already posted a link to your website on, on our Facebook page, but I'll be sure to draw some attention to your guys' page as well. Um, so let's talk about your your organization. We talked about a bit about sort of the rescue world and kind of some broader topics. Um, but let's talk about Georgia Peaches and and you guys in particular and your mission, and and how you work, and how people can support you? Um, so briefly, um, you know, we touched upon this earlier, but specifically our mission is to rescue puppies from eight weeks of age to six months of age from either high-kill shelters or disadvantaged situations, um, particularly in the southeast, but that could be anywhere. Uh, we would certainly help local dogs if called upon to do that. Um, and again, uh, the ultimate goal is to provide more rescue puppy options um, um, in the local area here um, and encourage people to, you know, adopt or rescue versus purchase a puppy. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you guys have been um, <clears throat> operating independently for about a year. That's correct. We started in November of 2011, but really became an independent and kind of a um, our own organization um, in May of um, 2012. But we're, we were um, doing quite a bit of rescue before that as well. Yep. And you're all volunteer run, so it sounds like there's lots of opportunity for people to help out if they are inspired to do so 
um, would it be? What is it that you're in the most need of right now? We're in need of um, volunteers in any capacity. We have some tasks that we need help with um, that we could share with anybody interested. Um, Simple things like merchandise, um, helping us with social media, um, adoption, coordinating adoption interviews, Mm -hmm. um, case managers for puppies. Um, Those are all um, tasks that we're looking for help with. But often we have people come to our organization and bring a skill set that they want to you know, help us in a certain way that maybe we don't have a specific job for. And we welcome that as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what about donations? I mean, are you looking for just monetary donations as well? We are looking for donations in all capacities. Obviously, um, financial contributions are, are critical to um, continuing our mission. But we have people that donate um, dog toys, dog collars, leashes. And we are preparing for a trip to Georgia in May where we will be um, taking some supplies there um, as we plan a relief trip to some of the shelters there. Mm-hmm. So we would be, we're going to be posting on Facebook about collections for that soon. Yeah. Well, it's a um, it's a hard world to be involved in because it's so it's so heartbreaking. I mean, I, I find people who work in rescue and who really do it well because, you know, not all rescue organizations are created equally um, that, you know, you guys really do a great job. And it's got to be so rewarding and so hard sometimes emotionally to, you know, I mean, you're going to Georgia, so you're going to be seeing a lot of you know, hard stuff and kind of taking that in. And it's just really brave work. It is a hard thing to see. I mean, I've, I've had um, a couple of visits there and um, I'll be going with a team of four of us, um, three board of directors and um, our our trainer, the wonderful Peggy Myers of Companion Animal Solutions. Um, We will be seeing um, things face-to-face at the shelter, and that is very hard, but I think it's very important um, to to make those visits so that you can really connect um, with, with the kind of work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, best of luck to you, and keep up the great work, and thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to be talking about um, some training, training tips, specifically praise and the use of treats. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. 
JetCityAnimalClinic.com. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. Every generation needs a voice, and on Mondays at 2 p.m. here on Alternative Talk 1150, Lewis Howard's show, Head of the House, is the voice for the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Head of the House brings education, insight, and information that brings health and healing to the challenges of managing your home, relationships, and your career. Tune in once, and you will be hooked. That's Head of the House every Monday at 2 p.m. here on Alternative Talk 1150. For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. Bringing you fresh perspectives every day. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. That was uh, Mia Schwartz, founder of Georgia Peaches Puppy Rescue that I was talking with earlier on the show. Peachpuppies.org is their website, and you can also find them on Facebook as well. They have a very active Facebook page. Check them out. They do great work. And um, you can also find The Dog Show on Facebook as well if you haven't already. We are coming up on 1,000 fans, so help us get there quickly if you are on Facebook and you're not a fan of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes yet. Well, get with the program and become a part of the conversation in between our shows every Wednesday at 2 p.m. live and Sundays at 1 and Encore. And then, of course, all of our shows are archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, and also a free podcast on iTunes, as always. So I wanted to talk um, in this last segment about my area of expertise, uh, a specific topic which would be related to dog training and behavior. I'm the owner of Sensitive Dog. SensitiveDog.com is the website, and I do in-home private lessons in the greater Seattle area for people and their dogs. So I work with everything from puppies and just basic training or house training or sort of puppy-specific behaviors to, you know, adolescents to adults to older dogs, so and all breeds. Um, So pretty much any behavior or training question I am equipped to work with. And if I'm not, in the rare case, I do have people who I refer to. SensitiveDog.com is my website. And what happens as I'm in conversations with people throughout the weeks is that I find myself having similar conversations with with my clients. Um, uh, And they sort of come in in phases. It's kind of interesting where I'll work with a certain 
you know, oh, I'm working with a lot of dogs that are aggressive to other dogs on leash or, you know, um, sort of specific behaviors that kind of have themes, I guess, that come. One of the things that I've been talking about that really applies generally is the the topic of praise and something I've been noticing about when I've been talking with my clients who perhaps have, you know, maybe done some training on their own or taken a group class or something like that is the overuse of treats and the undervaluing of the the power of your praise and and how your dog values that. And I was I'm thinking of this one client in particular who has a German shepherd who's uh I think he's about a year and a half now. Oh, gorgeous dog, big male, dark German shepherd. A really really nice dog and um she was trying to use treats to get him over his fear of walking on grates, like uh, grates on the ground, um, which is really common for dogs. They just get weirded out by them. or It's unfamiliar or, or like, I don't want to walk on that. Like the bottom's dropping out on it. I don't want to walk on it. So she was trying to get him, um, you know, close to it with food. And sometimes I think people think that treats will override a fear of something and it doesn't work that way, and it doesn't work with us either. I mean, if you were sketched out by somebody and you were just like, oh, this person, I'm getting a bad vibe from this person. This person's kind of scaring me. And they were like, oh, here's a dollar. <clears throat> you might not even want the dollar. You might just want to get away from them. Or if they were like, oh, here's a $100 bill, maybe you'd take it and then <laughs> then run away still. Like, it's not going to change your mind about your feelings about the person just because they're offering you some sort of treat or money or something like that. And I think we kind of forget about that with dogs, too. Yes, we can use food for sure in creating associations, but it's different. Creating an association is just one part of working with a dog, and there's a lot of other parts, too. And people don't value the the power that their praise has when you really get into it with your dog and you let them know that they're doing such a good job and, oh, that's so good. So I'm going to talk about um, this German Shepherd specifically about his fear of walking on grates. Do, do they live in a neighborhood with a lot of grates or something? Because it just seems to me like that might be something that they could just avoid and wouldn't be a big deal, would it? Well, if you walk around, actually, they're so grates and then also like metal covers of like uh-huh. of like a um, sewer, for example. Okay. You'd be, if you start looking for them, I don't know where, where you, you, I imagine it's the same, probably similar for you, but walking around. No, we have around, sidewalks, so we're, we're all right. They're on <laughs> sidewalks even. Yeah. Just covers like a water meter covers. Like manhole covers yeah. and stuff too? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But especially like downtown. Right. So this particular client was actually getting ready, is actually getting ready to move to downtown Chicago. Okay. And so yeah. we were taking him into downtown Seattle to get him used to walking around this, you know, downtown mm-hmm. city environment. And they're everywhere. I'm just thinking like some fears might not even be worth <laughs> trying to, you know, get out of uh, a dog unless it's something like this where I guess it would be necessary, you know. Like if they've got a, a, I don't know, a fear of a particular plant or something, you could just avoid it. You know what I mean? Well, 
I don't know. It's I'd have to kind of think about that. I'd have mm. to ruminate on that. Right. Um, but it sounds like greats are going to be an integral part to this dog's life, whether for they this like dog it or not. In yeah. particular, yes. Okay. Um, I mean, it brings up a good point that it's it's a problem if it's a problem, and if it's if it's a behavior that exists, but it's not a problem for you necessarily, then it's like, well, then don't work on it. Right. But phobias typically are do get in the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're usually not like, I'm afraid of that plant. Right. We'll just stay away <laughs> from the plant. Like it might be that the dog is afraid of skateboarders or mm. bicycles yeah. or cars or something like that. Well, a lot like of people that. have a fear of spiders, but they manage to get get by in life. They do. They do. In the interest of resolving the fear, though. Even if you give them 100 bucks, they're still like, I don't like that spider. (laughs) I don't want your money, spider. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So in the interest of working a dog through their fears, um, and this is, I mean, this is a huge topic. So I'm giving a very specific example. Mm -hmm. Fears can be very, fears can be a result of trauma, and it can take, long, long, long time to work through. So this does not apply to all phobias. But this dog was a very well-bred, great temperament, balanced disposition, you know, had a great life and just was weirded out by greats. So we wanted to work him through that. And she kept trying to feed him treats for getting on near the grate because he wouldn't step on the grate. And it was like, well... He also had a fear of getting in the car. Now, you can appreciate how that could get in the way if a dog Definitely. was, like, reluctant yeah. to, to jump in the back of the car. Um, and so she worked with, through him him through that when he was younger with me. Um, and what we did was we got him to get into the car, and then we just basically had a party in there and just told him how amazing he was. Oh, my gosh, you're so great. We did use food, but the focus was on... The, the praise that had that happened. Right. So and that worked beautifully. And now he loves it in there. Like he's all about going for rides in the car. So with the great, we kind of took that same that same plan and applied it to the great. So she and I brought him. We had him on leash, obviously, downtown. And I went and kneeled down on the grate and actually put my knees on the ground. And she was over. She was on the grate as well, sort of squatting down on it. And we were just kind of hanging out. And he you could tell that he was like, oh, so this is a German shepherd I'm talking about in case you're just tuning in. Um, He was like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, like I want to come over to you guys, but you're on that grate and that grate is weird and I don't want to touch it, but I think I can do it, but I don't know. So he was kind of like that. He was reluctant. He was reluctant, Mm -hmm. but he was interested. He he was kind of like trying to talk himself through it, you know, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, and then like he went and he like put his paw over the grate, didn't touch it, but just was like, Oh, I don't know, you know, put his paw over it. And when he did that, we were like, Oh my gosh, you're so, Oh, you're so brave. You're so brave. You know, and just like totally freaked out about it in a good way and told him how amazing he was for doing that. And he was like, okay, okay, that's cool. Okay. I could do that. Well, you think that's cool? Well, watch, watch this. And then he went and you know, maybe 10 seconds later or 15 seconds later of sort of, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then he actually put his paw on the grate. 
And then we just told him how amazing that was. And you're so brave. I remember I said that like over and over. Oh, he's so brave, you know, making such a big deal out of it. And he was kind of like, okay, okay, this is cool. And then three more times of that, he's on the grate now, walking off and on, like, look at me, look what I can do. Oh, watch this. And we would, you know, erupt in just gushing (laughs) praise every time he did it. So he had a great party, and now he thinks greats are great. He does. (laughs) And it, you know, it's, it's the, the not underestimating the value of, of our praise to him, and, and you know, we were definitely laying it on real thick, um, but really how powerful building confidence is, and also, so important too that we gave him the time to have his process about it. And I didn't know how it was going to go. I mean, I didn't know if we were going to even get him on the grate during that session. I mean, I find that to be the case so many times when working with dogs is that, I mean, I may have an idea because I've been doing this for over 10 years, but a lot of times I just do what I know to do and then see what the dog shows me and then adjust as we go through. So it's really a process of feeling your way through it. Um, but it was important that we gave him the time and space to really work it through himself, and he did so beautifully, uh, as opposed to being too pushy about it or trying to pull him towards the gate or trying to uh, the, the 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 grate or trying to you know force him onto it or hurry him up through his process. That was a really important piece of it, and we just gave him the time he needed. And then when he did get brave and make a movement towards the gate or put his paw over it or something like that, then we just had a party about it. And he was like, oh, cool. Okay, well, I can do that. I can do that again. Watch this. And it was really amazing to um, to witness that and to witness him go through that. And in general, one of the things that I was working on with his owner was just that she was focusing too much on the treats as the positive reinforcement and not enough on the praise and the relationship. Now he's a German shepherd too. So this is a dog with a, with a wonderful work ethic and is motivated by the work itself. So they're typically very easy to train um, as opposed to another dog that isn't necessarily not as smart. They're just not, they're just sort of wired differently. Um, so shepherds and herding breeds in general are usually really, really quick studies as far as that goes, and they love to work. But um, it was a really like an aha moment for her to really see how she didn't really think that the dog valued her praise, and then to see how powerful it was in getting him over this fear of greats that he's had his whole life. I mean, it had been about a year and a half that he was just like sketched out, wouldn't walk over a great or like a manhole cover or anything like that, water meter cover. And now he's like, oh, whatever, no big deal. And it just took a little bit of uh, giving him some time and and being patient about it and then just totally partying whenever he did. It was really fun, actually. You know, dogs aren't given enough credit in their, their ability to make choices, their awareness of the environment and what's going on. Um, it really surprises me sometimes to hear people's surprise when I when I'm explaining to them you know what why their dog experiences something a certain way they're like really they know that it's like yeah of course they know that 
like like your dog knows if you have kids, the dog knows that your kids are kids and that the adults are adults. <laughs> they get it. Um, they're very aware of the environment and they're just not given enough credit in general. And um, I don't know, it's cool to see that sort of aha moment in people as they're working with their own dog and they get to witness the dog's thought process and the dog's ability to make a choice and to be responsible for their own actions and how that really ripples through the whole relationship. Um, and also in doing so, you're being more present to the dog um, and to the dog's thought process. And they know that too. So they know when you're being present and when you're not, just like how kids know when they're, you know, they know when you're distracted and they can get away with stuff. So do dogs. So it's just such a cool thing to experience over and over and over again with all sorts of different types of dogs and people and to just bring that awareness into the relationship and, um, you know, have the people get, oh, wow, my dog can think like that. And then it's cool. I mean, it's for most people, it's very interesting, especially in Seattle, <laughs> how intellectual we are. Um but that said, too, we're also very technological here, and that can sort of, um, you know, and I think this is probably true with the country, but maybe more so in this area or at least in cities where we're moving so fast and everything is so fast and we're on our phones and doing five, three, five, five things from our phones at once and all that stuff. And just how when you're working with your dog, it's really an exercise in slowing down and being present to the one thing that you're doing and the one being that you're communicating with. And when you are, it's so much more effective. I, I hear there's a new app that will pay attention to your dog for you, though, if uh, you're distracted by your phone. So. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I of hope not, Eric. <laughs> I hope not. Of course not. Of course not. Um, you know, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't surprise me these days. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, but no. you, you you don't want the dogs using their paws on your touchscreen. It, <laughs> no, it just doesn't work out. Although there is a um, there is an app for cats that has a light. Oh, that does the laser that sort of moves, but it's on the screen. Oh, okay. And the cat actually gets points for like pawing it. or batting it. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to <laughs> check, have to that, check out. that out. Yeah, yeah. so ah, oh, technology. Well, um, thanks so much to Mia Schwartz, who's the founder of Georgia Peaches Puppy Rescue. Um, we talked with her earlier on the show. If you missed that interview, you can find it archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. It'll be posted up there by tomorrow. And also by tomorrow, uh, our show will be, this week's show will be archived on iTunes as a free audio podcast. So you can download it for free. We've had over 100, uh, 215 episodes now. So thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in also Sundays at 1 for an encore of our Wednesday's live show. Have a great week.